Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. subject called fatherhood let's talk I want to talk to you today about fatherhood just about just about dad just about fatherhood the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 it says like this asking it will be given to you seeking you'll find knocking the door will be opened unto you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened which of you if your son asks for bread will give him a stone if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Everybody say, in everything. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I'm speaking today on the subject of fatherhood, let's talk. Turn to someone and say, I want to help the pastor and hear him talk today. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. I was doing a little research the other day, and I found some things that I want to share with you this morning. And one of them is 10 things that you'll never, ever hear a dad say. There's 10 things, a top 10 list of things you'll never hear your dad say or dad say. Number 10, well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we'll have to stop and ask for directions. You'll never hear your dad say that. Number nine, you know, pumpkin, now that you're 13, you'll be ready for unchaperoned car dates. Won't that be fun? That didn't happen in my house. It won't happen in yours, I hope. Number eight. I noticed that all your friends have a certain negative attitude. I like that. (laughs) Number seven, here's a credit card and the keys to my new car. Go crazy. (laughs) Dad'll never say that. Number six, what do you mean you want to play football? Figure skating not good enough for you, son? I thought not to put that in there, but I went ahead. Number five, number five, your mother and I are going away for a weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party, son. (laughs) Number four, well, I don't know what is wrong with your car. Probably one of those doohickey thingies that makes it run or something. Just have it towed to a mechanic and pay whatever he asks. My dad would never say that. Number three, no son of mine is going to live under this roof without an earring. Now quit your belly aching. let's go to the mall. 
Am I still, am I still rocking you? Is it still good? <laughs> Number two, what do you want to go and get a job for? I make plenty of money for you to spend. <laughs> And the number one thing that dads will never say, Father's Day? Oh, don't worry about that. It's no big deal. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, dads. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Comedian Johnny Carson years ago said his son gave him a paper which read, To the man who has inspired me with his fatherly wisdom. Carson said, Son, I didn't know you felt that way about me. His son said, I don't, Dad. Can you fax this to Bill Cosby? Cosby wrote a book years ago called Fatherhood. It's still a blessing to me. It's humorous. And things that you read in it, you'll learn a whole bunch. He wrote two observations about fathers. And the first was, he said, now that my father is a grandfather, he just can't wait to give money to my kids. But when I was a kid, I asked him for 50 cents, and he'd tell me a story of his life. <laughs> like when he was seven years old, he'd get up at 4 a.m. in the morning, walk 23 miles to milk 90 cows. And the farmer for whom he worked had no bucket, so he had to squirt the milk in his little hand and walk eight miles to pour it into the nearest can. All that for five cents a month. And the result was that I never got my 50 cents. But now he comes to my house and tells my kids, well, let's see how much money old granddad has got for his wonderful grandkids. And the minute they take that money out of his hands, I call them over to me and I snatch it away from them. And I said, because that's my money. You grandpas know what I'm talking about. The other story that Cosby tells is, I like the difference, he says, between Mother's Day and Father's Day. He said in, on Mother's Day, the mothers are more organized. He said mothers say to their kids, now, here's a list of what I want. Go get the money from your father and surprise me on Mother's Day. But he said, but for Father's Day, I give each of my five kids $20 so they can go out and buy me a present. That's a total of 100 bucks. And they go to the store, buy two packages of underwear, each which costs $5 a piece that contain three pair of shorts. That's six pair. They tear them open, and each kid wraps one pair. <laughs> and the six they send to the Salvation Army. Therefore, on Father's Day, I'm walking around with my new underwear, and my kids are walking around with 90 bucks worth of change in their pockets. <laughs> you dads know what I'm talking about? Know what I'm talking about? give your kids $100 to buy you something, they bring you a $20 gift. Where'd the rest of it? Oh, Dad, uh, it, it was more expensive than you thought. Yeah. <laughs> I don't simply want to give equal billing to fathers this morning. I really don't because we give honor to mothers a month ago. But we want to recognize dads for another very important reason. I read something the other day that's kind of going to be the catalyst of what I want to talk about today, kind of going to be the thing that's going to be my springboard. In his book, Dateline America, Charles Kuralt, tells of a sign he saw on a door of, an, of a cafe in Indiana. It said, open 24 hours a day. Listen to this real close. Seven days a week. Then there was a little note under it, closed Thursday. Let's say it again. Open 24 hours a day. Seven days a week, closed Thursday. That's what you call sending out a mixed signal. They say they're open, yet they're closed. This, there is a message in society today that fathers are simply not needed in America. The dehumanizing, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, emaciating of men on television, on sitcoms. And while the number may be numerically smaller, there are some women 
who actually choose to be single-parent mothers instead of having fathers in their home because fathers are looked at as such a negative light. And there are far too many men in America who father children that they have no intention of raising. I trust that's not a problem here at Christian Life Church. But the church, therefore, needs to send out a message, a real clear clarion call, loud and clear, that fathers still play a critical role in the life of of the family that we call America. Amen? Come on, we need dads. Would you clap your hands and say, thank you, Pastor. We need fathers. Dads, you're needed. And God doesn't only just need you, He expects something out of you. There's three C's I want to talk about today. The three C's that I want to speak of is one, you need to connect, Dad. There has to be dads that know how to connect with God. And I am not trying to make Christians out of everybody. I'm not trying to make you a believer here today. And whether you accept the Lord, whether you're a believer in your life or whether you're a non-believer, it does not really matter right now. I want to talk to you and tell you that there's times in your life that you need to connect to a higher power. Children view God from the realm of how their father presents himself. Because a father represents the God factor in your life and the mother represents really the church factor in your life. And I've discovered that people that have problem with mom have problem with church. And I've discovered that men that have, or women that have problems with dads have problems with the Heavenly Father. See, if the father is overly critical, that child grows up to be perhaps judgmental. If a father is neglectful, then the child concludes that God does not care. But on the other hand, if dad is supportive, if dad is loving, if dad is attentive, then the child grows up to see God as an intimate, caring Heavenly Father. Whether you accept it or not, dad, you play a great role because how you are is how they view the God that they have never seen. I believe it's by design. Irma Bombeck is one of my favorite writers. And, and uh, uh, if you ever, ever want to read a book, I know she's written stuff like, If Life's a Bowl of Cherries, What Am I Doing in the Pit? She's written stuff like that. But she also wrote a book one time, I Want to Grow Up, I Want to Grow Hair, and I Want to Go to Boise. It's a story about kids who survived cancer. It won me to Irma Bombeck's ministry, if I can say. She's a comedian lady. And one day she wrote and she said, I want to tell a story about when God created fathers. And so she started this thing, and, and, and there was a female angel standing there beside God when he was creating men. And, and, and the angel nearby said, what are, you, what are you creating? She said, I'm going to create a, a father today. And so she made a tall frame. And the angel, the female angel said, what kind of father is that? She said, you make children close to the ground. Why do you put fathers up so high? He won't be able to shoot marbles without kneeling. He won't be able to tuck in the child in bed without bending or even kiss a child without a lot of stooping. And God said, if I make him child size, who would children have to look up to? They need a dad to look up to. And then God started making the father's hands, and they were large, and they were sinewy. And the female angel shook her head and said, do you know what you're doing, God? Large hands are clumsy. They can't manage diaper pins. They can't manage small buttons. They can't manage rubber bands or ponytails or even remove splinters from baseball bats. And God smiled and said, I know, but they're large enough to hold everything that a little boy can empty out of his pocket after a day and yet small enough to cup that child's face in his hands and tell that child, I love you. And then God molded long, slim legs and broad shoulders. And the angel nearly had a heart attack and said, boy, this is the end of the week, all right. Do you realize that your father that you created does not even have a lap? How's it going to pull a child? How's he going to pull a child close to him without a kid falling between his legs? And God smiled and said, A mother needs a lap. A father needs strong shoulders to pull a sled. 
balance a bull on a bicycle, and hold a sleepy head on the way home from a ball game. And then God created two of the largest feet anyone had ever seen. And the angel looked at God and said, that's not fair, God. Do you honestly think those large boats are going to dig out of bed early in the morning when a baby cries? Or walk through a small birthday party without crushing at least three of the little guests? And God smiled and said, they'll work. They'll support a small child who wants to ride a horse. Or scare off a mice at a summer cabin. Or display shoes that will be a challenge to feel. Yeah. And then God worked throughout the night, giving the father a few words, but a firm, authoritative voice. Eyes that saw everything but remained calm and tolerant. And finally, almost as an afterthought, God added tears. And then he turned to the angel and said, Now are you satisfied that he loves as much as a mother? And Irma Bombeck concluded, And the angel shutteth up. This is why... We need dads in America today that can get up every morning and find a place of prayer and say, God, this thing may be bigger than I am, but I know if I have you in my life, if I have you as my guide, if I have you as my leader, I can be the greatest dad that my kids ever need me to be. I can be the most wonderful father my kids will ever be. But dads, the first connect you got to have is a God connect because your eyes, your hands, your strength, your heart, your mind, your soul has been given you not only for you, but for the well-being of your family, for the well-being of your kids. And so I pledge to you today as a pastor of this church and father of this congregation, I will plug into God every day. Can I have dads in this, in this church family that will say, Pastor, we'll plug into God every morning also. If we need to pray for our nation, if we need to pray for churches all over America, we need to pray for our families. There's not a greater church in all the world to pastor, dads, than your own family. Would you give it up for your family and say, I want to be a dad after God's own heart. Amen. The, th the second C you need to have is you need to connect with your family. Not only God, you got to connect with your family. There's a lot of dads that are so spiritual they forget that they have family. They need to connect with their family. I believe that fathers are called upon to be nurturers. We hear so many negative stories about dads. We hear so much negative society today that sometimes we forget that there are some very positive things that are happening in our world. The church and society, to a lesser degree, is saying it is not enough, dads, just to be a breadwinner. You need to be a nurturer as well. Years ago, out in California in a YMCA, they had a program going out there. And they would bring all the kids in, and usually it was Mother's Day to be with the kids. And they put these kids in a big room. But on this particular week, they decided to put dads in that room with those kids. And those mothers would watch through a one-way mirror on the outside looking at those dads taking care of those kids. And, of course, during the day, it was like four or five hours. And during the day, the kids would fall. The kids would cry. The kids would have an accident. And the dads would have to be there for them. And what they were trying to make those kids understand and those dads understand that when a tragedy came or when a cry came or when something happened came, that the dad wouldn't take the child outside. It was off limits to take the child outside and let the mother have it because they wanted those kids to know that it did not matter when the accident happened or when the problem came. They had more than just a mother to be a nurturer to those kids. 
We need dads. I'm telling you right now. And you, you listen, I'm going to go a little further. We need big brothers in this church because we have a lot of kids in this church that don't have dads. We need big brothers in this church that not only nurture your kids but also bless other children. We need dads that will reach out and put big old hands around kids and say you matter. And I mean a wholesome hug and a loving, kind blessing upon these kids. We got kids that are going somewhere in life and they need to be nurtured and blessed by fathers and by big brothers and by people who care about what they wind up in in their life. Can you clap your hands and say amen for that? They really do. They need that in their life. The other day, we were, the men were upstairs, and, 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 and we were actually watching the San Antonio Spurs last, last Sunday evening. We were watching the Spurs play basketball. And little Windsor comes up and down those stairs, and, and he, has, he has won the battle over those stairs. He's won that battle. He won it when he was about a year and a half. He learned how to crawl up and then sit down, coming down those stairs. He sits on them. And, but, but Windsor got, you know, he, he, he got cool, and he, he thought he could handle it. He's almost three years old. He's two and a half, about two years and eight months old. And, and, and so he took off, and he had a, a bat over his hand, arm. And, and, and I thought that bat might be a little bit too much for him because the stairs are pretty steep. And all of a sudden, we heard a tumble. Boom, 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 boom. And it was like he would never quit falling. He just kept rolling and rolling. And, and we heard the cry, and he just kept rolling. And I thought, oh, God, the, the, the tile floor is waiting on him. He's going to mess himself up. He gets to the tile floor. And he got two steps from the bottom, and he stopped. And the first person on their feet was dad. And dad went down there and picked him up and, and, and nurtured him and, and, and hugged him. And I remember seeing my, my, my oldest son-in-law, Damon. I, he's got two, two tough kids. He's got two boys. They're 14 and 10 now. But I remember back when those boys would get hurt. They would get hurt. I, I, saw, I saw Connor one night in our backyard run slap into a tree. Slap into a tree. He thought he was tougher than the tree, I guess. And the tree just... Just stood him up and just, he fell back like somebody hit him in the head with a ball peen hammer. And he fell back. And the first there was his dad. And his dad picked him up and, and held him and hugged him. And it got all right. It got all right. In fact, Connor got another knot on his head in between service today. He's a knothead. He gets knots on his head. And I said, who gave you this? And he said, oh, little old girl. Don't hurt though, dad. It's a girl. No, it don't hurt. <laughs> Trees hurt. This doesn't hurt. But I, I, I love dads. I love dads that are not just so in tune with God that they, they just got to be with God all the time. I love dads that can turn themselves toward family. And families can feel the nurturing power and the strength of a father. I love the fact. Now, you say, well, Pastor, you raised girls. Well, sure, I've raised girls. And, I, and, and you, you're on the softer side because you raised girls. But I had a boy. I had a boy. Have I ever told you about my boy? I had a boy. He was four years old when the Lord took him. And he was awesome. And guess what? Guess what? When we got ready to ride in separate cars, when me and my first wife got ready to ride in separate cars, Misty always went with her mother. But guess where Justin went? Moi. Justin went with me. You know why? Because we were buds. We were the Bash brothers from Oakland. You hear me? We were bad. And we were, we were tough. And he was four, And he dressed like me. And he wanted to walk like me. And he wanted to have a briefcase like me. And he wanna do everything like his daddy. And I walk in one day, I was walking outside the door and I turned around and I saw him taking big old steps because he was trying to walk in my very footprints because he loved his father. And I thought, I've got to be what this boy needs me to be. And we didn't have a whole lot of stuff in Dallas. We didn't have a whole lot of things. We really didn't. We had to borrow a church van to get me a second car because we just had one. 
But we had a 15-passenger van at the church, and that kid loved to ride in that van. And I remember he'd get in the van, and he'd go all the way to the back. You know, it was a four-seat. He'd go all the way to the back, and he was little enough. He could crawl over the back seat and get in between the back seat and the back door. And he would ride just like this, looking over the back seat at me. And it looked like he was in another car in eternity behind me. And I'd holler at him. I'd say, hey, little buddy, you want to come up here and ride with me? Hey, hey, hey back there. Can you hear me, son? You want to ride up here with me? He said, no, daddy, this is my place. That's your place. This is my place. I said, well, you know, we, I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable with you riding back there. He said, oh, daddy, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm doing wonderful, daddy. I mean, he would talk to me like he was a grown-up. And finally, one day I said, I need a co-pilot up here. Would you come up here and sit beside me? He said, Daddy, I can take care of business right back here. <laughs> but everywhere I went, everywhere I went, everywhere I went, the boy was my boy. He was special. Dads, I'm going to tell you something. You better learn. I don't care if you have girls or boys. You better learn something about connecting with family because family matters. You know, you know we, 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 have, we have not given Joseph, Jesus' father, enough credit in, in our lives. I know we talk about the heavenly father, but we haven't given the Lord's earthly father. And there's, there's, so much, there's so much of an effort to venerate Mary, and some of that is necessary. But in upholding Mary, the mother of Jesus, sometimes we ignore Joseph. Let's look at the records. When Jesus was born, Joseph was present. When Jesus was circumcised, he was present. And when he suddenly disappeared in Jerusalem in the temple at the age of 12, it was Mary and Joseph came looking for him. He was not a detached father. And we can assume that Joseph performed the traditional task of a Jewish father because one of those feasts took three weeks and it was a festival for father and sons only. Mothers were not allowed. Joseph was there. And Jesus later assumed his father's profession. Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. And Joseph must have spent many hours with Jesus teaching him the skills and the ways of the trade. And of course, at the time when Jesus was 30 and started his ministry, Joseph was dead. His father was dead. And he must have thought of his father during those critical three-year period. And then when he was at Gethsemane, he prayed to God. He referred to him as Abba. And the word Abba means daddy. It doesn't mean father. It's a literal word for daddy. So I believe that there was something that Joseph placed in Jesus that an earthly father gave him. This man that knew that it wasn't from his loins. It was from the heavens that Jesus Christ was here. But at the same time, he became a father to the son of God. He became an earthly dad to the son of God. You hear me? I'm going to tell you something, dads. You're raising something awesome in your house. You're raising something awesome in your house. You're raising little sons of God in your house because they're all created by Almighty God and they need your nurturing. They need your love and they need your connecting to them. You know, it's, it was said, they did a survey back in the 60s to the 60s to the 90s that children living apart from their biological father more than doubled from the 60s to the 90s, from 17% to 36%. I know I don't want to kill you with stats here today. But it was estimated at the turn of the century, 50% of all American kids would go to bed at night without being able to speak to their father, 50%. And so now we're in the second decade of the 21st century, and how are we doing? The good news is that it's not as bad as predicted, but the bad news is that four out of ten kids live in fatherless homes. We need some big brothers. We need some dads to step up. And the effect is horrendous. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Listen to me, Dad. 90% of homeless and runaway kids are from fatherless homes. 
85% of all children that exhibit behavior, behavioral disorder come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists motivated to, with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. Oh, I know I'm just quoting stats. It don't mean anything, but it's breaking my heart. 85% of all youth sitting in prison grew up in fatherless homes. Now, I don't want to be Pollyannish about this. Not every man is God's gift of fatherhood. But there are men in this house right now that are realizing, you know what? I'm going to be the best I can be, the best I can be for my kids. I'm going to be the best grandfather I can be. I'm going to be the best dad I can be. We need men not only connecting to God, but connecting with their family. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. Connecting with their and the third C I want to talk about is connecting with the church everybody say with heaven with the family with the church there are many ways that a man can be connected to his church and I don't want to make a laundry list for you and a grocery store list here today but I'd rather concentrate on the main role of the church and how a father can convey that in a home you see the main role that the church is to be a channel, hear me now, a channel of grace. Everybody say grace. grace. Listen to me. you got to get this, Dad. you got to get this. Everybody in this church has a chance. There is nobody in this church that's off limits. Everybody has a chance. Everybody is a somebody. And every one of your kids needs a chance. Everybody counts in God's kingdom. Your child may be away from you right now, but everybody counts in the kingdom of God. And the Bible said it this way. Said Jesus said, if you then are evil, can give good gifts to your children. Let's stop right there. What did he say? It begins by calling parents evil. And that's not flattering, but it's quite truthful, howbeit blunt. We know we are not perfect. We know we make mistakes. We know we misjudge situations. And we do good things sometimes for the wrong reasons. Bottom line, Dad. Bottom line, Mom. We mess up sometimes. But what kids need to understand is that we weren't perfect growing up and we're not perfect now. And it's a wonderful thing when a kid can understand that dad may make a mistake sometime. He may understand that, that, that he doesn't he doesn't always do it just right. You may lose your temper sometime, Dad. You may lose your temper, Mom. But I'm going to tell you something. If a kid knows that you know that you're not perfect and you can make mistakes, but you can show them the grace of God, there is something that happens in a home there's something that happens in a home when a dad can look at a child and say, you know what, I goofed there, son. I messed up there. I didn't do that just right, but would you forgive me? There's something about that boy. He will love that dad. He will love that dad. You're not, you're not a table of stone, dad. You're, a, you're just a boy that's grown up, and I'm just a boy that's grown up, and God Almighty has helped me, and I've made mistakes in pastoring, and I've made mistakes in my home. But I will tell you this, that my kids know, and you need to know, that there is things called forgiveness. There's things saying, I'm sorry. There's things that come across. We've got to show the grace of God to our families. We must show. I'm preaching to you right now. We must show the grace of God to our families. I didn't tell this in the first service, but my youngest daughter is so determined. She was so determined when she was a kid. I don't know where she got that. 
And there were times that I knew when we were going at it, she is right. <laughs> Boy, I bet you'd never think a dad would say this in a pulpit and a pastor. But she is right. Hope to God she's not in here right now, but if she is, I'm telling the truth. She's right. And it was sometimes the most difficult thing because she got that from me. Some of it was from her mother, but <laughs> most of it was from me. And when I, when I would realize that, I would, I would say, you know what, you know what, I, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to pray about that. That's always my line. I'm going to pray about that. And I can't tell you the number of times I had to come back and say, you know what, huh? You know what? You're right. I'm sorry. That's right. That's right. That's right. Kids need to understand that when we give grace, we give them a space. Because kids will respond to grace. They won't respond to hardline living. They'll respond to grace. And the reason this church is growing by leaps and bounds is because we're not hardlining people in this church. We're showing the grace of God in this church. Because everybody counts in this church. Everybody matters in this church. You matter, you matter. Everybody matters in this church. And that works in your home and in your family. Now, let me talk a little bit. The book of Exodus is a powerful book. Let me, let me, let me, let me just kind of shut it down with this. I'm going to let you out early so you can beat all the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterian to the cafeteria today but the book of Exodus says that the sins of the father listen to me will affect the sons of the third and fourth generation did you hear that the sins of the father now watch this watch this do you want to pass sins down to your kids or do you want to pass goodness down to your kids let me tell you something dads we don't always do it right I didn't always do it right I may still make mistakes with my grandkids from time to time. We don't always do it right. To err is human, to forgive is divine. But I will tell you this. The sins of the father go to the third and fourth generation, but the Bible goes on to say that the goodness of a man, the goodness of a man will be transferred to a thousand generations. Wow. I'd rather say, I'm sorry here. Forgive me now. Wash me for losing my temper. Take care of me for getting outside the bounds of reason with my children. And let me understand that I don't want to have sin dispersed to my generation. I want goodness to leave my life so that my kids will be blessed to a thousand generations. I will tell you this with no, no hesitation. I don't know how I would pastor a church like this church without having my family. I'd hate to think that my daughters and my sons-in-laws were out somewhere doing something that was so contrary to the will of God in their life. And here I was trying to preach the gospel. I'm so glad that my kids are with me in this church. But you know what? It hadn't been by perfect parenting. It's been by the grace of God. It's been by the grace of God. It's been by the grace of God. And you better figure in that into the equation. Now I got to talk to you. I told you I was going to tell you a story about my daddy. I miss you, Dad. My dad was my hero and still is. Third, third Father's Day without him. James Williams bring me something every week, and he brought me this to wear in honor of my dad today. Thank you, James. I love you, sir. But we had motorcycles up here the last two weeks, and we put them in the foyer today because Dad wouldn't like it up here three times in a row. Dad was anti-motorcycle. 
was anti-psychi, whatever. He didn't like motorcycles. He hated motorcycles. He didn't hate the people that rode them. He hated motorcycles. Every time we'd pass one on the road, said, there's a death trap. There's a death trap. There's a Dad was always teaching. He was planting seeds. So when I was in about the fifth grade, I had a buddy that had the hottest little moped that you ever seen in your life. It was a bad deal. And he wanted to sell that to me for $25. $25. I had that in my piggy bank. And I said, Dad, I want to buy this moped. And Dad said, oh, you do, huh? Yeah, I said, son, I don't think it'd be good to have that moped in your life. I think it'd be a death trap. To all the people that ride bikes, I salute you, but I pray for you real strong too. Because there's some crazy people on the road out there. I, I don't know if you know that or not. But, and when road rage gets a hold of them, they can get a bike. They can't hardly get it. They can get a bike. Be careful. I'm talking about daddy, not about me. And so this daddy, daddy had that boy bring that bike over one day. He said, son, let's go out there and crank that thing, see if, we can, see if you can ride it. I'll just follow you around in the car and see if you can ride that thing. Oh, Daddy, wonderful, wonderful. Like I was going to get that bike. I go out there and I hit that kickstand, boom, that kickstart, boom, 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 boom. Nothing. Little did I realize that Dad had siphoned the gas out of it. <laughs> true story, true story. So help me God, true story. He had siphoned the gas out of it. <laughs> and taking it out of the gas lines, Dad was a great mechanic. And he said, well, it looks like to me that I got somebody on my team. God must not want you to have that motorbike. <laughs> well, when you put God in the equation, who, what, who am I to argue? You can't argue with God. You can't argue with God. God said, you don't need the bike. So he said, son, God just don't want you having that bike. I wasn't smart enough to understand. Unscrew the gas cap, see if there's gas in that thing. And later when the boy came back, I didn't tell this first service, the boy came back, he said, this bike won't start. He said, there's no gas in it. Oh, okay. But it was already, it was, the deal had already been, you know, it had been sealed. We'd already been to the title company. Daddy had signed the deed, no bike. So that, that stayed in me. So I, 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 never, I never really believed that Daddy knew best. And so I always thought that I was a little smarter than Daddy. Every kid does. You did when you was a small boy. And so when I was 21 years old, I started preaching and doing some youth revivals and going around the country. I did a, I did a little revival up in a little town in New Mexico, and there were some real pretty girls in that church. And they all owned bikes, motorbikes. They were bike mamas. <laughs> and they were fun to be with, and I was single, and they kind of liked me. I didn't date any of them, but they kind of liked me. Now, I'm sorry if you think I'm ugly. Somebody must have thought I was nice looking one day. <laughs> and so they invited me to ride bikes. It never hit me that Dad said, son, you don't need to be on one of them things. I knew I was an athlete. I could handle anything. I can ride a horse. I can get on one today, and I ride it. I got on that bike. We got to going. Got faster and faster. I didn't want them girls to outrun me. So we come to a curve. Didn't see the gravel in that curve. The West Texas wind and the Mexico wind had blew that gravel against that curve. And, and I got in that gravel, turning that corner. I lost it. This knee right here, had it operated on three years ago to fix that tear that happened when I was 21 years old. It's called meniscus damage. 
It's fine now. But it was wobbling to a point, and it went back to a bike wreck. Now, it still didn't hit me about Daddy yet. But then I got married. Then I was a full-time preacher. And my wife, my first wife's family were dirt bike champions. Her cousin won dirt bike contests all over the country. He is a dirt bike maniac. And he said, Rex, you could do this. You have the athletic ability. <laughs> you have the athletic ability to be a dirt bike champion. He said, I want you to get on this bike. He said, now be careful. It'll jump out from under you. It did. I was about a half a mile from the farmhouse out in Cisco, Texas, and I lost it. This leg, the kneecap went displaced. The whole, my whole pants were torn. I messed up. I was drugged several yards by that bike. I was trying to shut it down and hold on. And I let go. And I was so damaged I couldn't even walk home. And as I was crawling to the house, Daddy, I love you, Pop. But his words penetrated my head. Son, I told you when you was a fifth grader, that you was going to hurt yourself. And I want you to live a long time so you can take care of me when I got old. I didn't want you to die young. And when I crawled into that place, they all came running out. And I had all kinds of complications with this leg, with this leg. My legs have been to the grinder on motorcycles. And I stand here today. I'm free <laughs> of riding motorcycles. <laughs> I'm free. My name is Rex Johnson, and I'm not a motorcycle rider. That's the story. So, I love you, Martha. So, bottom line, dads are great, great things. Dads are awesome. They're wonderful. I'm closing today, but, you know, I, I, I've... I've had three precious girls, and I bought them cars, and we put them in Volkswagens because I, I didn't want them to wreck something expensive. <laughs> one of them had three wrecks. One of them had two wrecks. And the other, well, she just had some, and we didn't really know about it. <laughs> but, you know, life, life's going life's gonna to wreck up every now and then. Life's going to be not easy every now and then but the bottom line is if you have a dad if you have a dad you need to thank God today if you have a dad that has a connection with the eternal you need to really thank God if you have a dad that connects with you as family you need to thank God if you have a dad that connects with church you need to thank God because there's nothing like a father nothing like a dad dad my dad could never my dad could never sing he always led song service because we all went to little bitty churches and he couldn't sing in fact when we went to a, a family reunion on Labor Day the year he died 19, uh, 2010 the day he died was the end of the year but we went to a, a family reunion in, on Labor Day and, and all the grandkids wanted granddad to sing and he started singing and mama mama said honey that's way too high you're not singing that right change keys and grandma tried to fix him we said, Grandma, you need to hush. Let Granddad sing. We want to hear Granddad sing. And Granddad sung. 
and just just hear my just hear my dad sing. You know, just hear my dad sing when he really couldn't sing that well. But it brought brought joy to me because here he was, 85 years old. He'd worked hard. He loved God. He loved his family. And he loved church. And when I when I look back, I think, what else could I have wanted? I never saw him hurt my mother. I never saw him get out of line. He was just a man that had three contacts, three connects. He loved God, he loved his family, he loved his church. He's a pretty good man. Dad, how you been making it with Mama up there? You did pretty good. Yeah, all right. I miss you, Daddy. You did me good. I told the motorcycle story today. Dad, I have to tell you, I have been to Missouri and rode a couple of Harley Davidsons, though. But it's in the country gravel and I go 30 (laughs) would you stand to your feet you're awesome bow your heads I just want a, a well of appreciation to spring up in your soul today we have doctors in this building in this building, we have landscapers in this building, we have security guards in this building, we have people in this building that that work for other people, we have business owners in this building, we have all kinds, all shapes, all sizes, all colors of people, I think it's so neat to have a little bit of heaven on earth in a church, I think it's so neat, but dad, I'm singling you out today, whether you go home and get a hamburger today, or whether you go by Culver's and pick you one up. Or whether you go home and you got a spaghetti dinner waiting on you, or whether you go home and you have some Mexican food waiting on you, or whether you go home and all your kids come over and you get those underwear. You get those socks. Whatever you do today, Dad, I want you to be a understand that you're appreciated and that you are loved. And that your Heavenly Father thinks you're just mighty special he made you unique because nobody can do it like a dad dear father I love you today and I thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your wonderful blessing to us I thank you for help and hope when we're hurting I thank you for kindness and goodness when we're distraught I thank you for everything you are and everything you have been everything you're going to be bless this congregation Bless this people. Bless the fathers. And give us a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. And let us leave here rejoicing. Thank you for the new dads. Thank you, Lord, for Vincent, Nicole. Thank you for Jeff, Michelle. Thank you for people that come to CLC that are doing the best that they know to do. Because, God, you don't judge us against one another. You judge us on how we do we can do. 
God bless us. Watch over us and take care of us. Bring us back to the appointed time. And thank you for dads. Lift your head and look at me right here, right now. Bring it here, brother. Don't leave yet. Here's, here's what we're going to get you, guys. Here's, you don't want to leave. This is, this is what you're going to get out there. A dad's root beer. Caffeine free. Caffeine free. Dad's root beer. It's a whole liter. If you want to share it with mom and the kids, you can. After preaching this way, you need to share it, I guess. And then we got you this thing, tire pressure thing. I don't know how good it works. It looks like it's too little to measure pressure. But it said, blessed is the man who works tirelessly for the Lord. I love you. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me real clear. I'd rather pastor here than be president of the United States. I'd rather pastor here than be the greatest missionary on a foreign field that you could ever imagine. I'd rather pastor here than anything that in the world that I've ever known. I've been here 23 years, and I love this church. You're the most upright, kind people, gentle people, tremendous people. Thank you for letting grace affect your life. Thank you for letting the love of God affect your life. I want you to have a great day. Thank you for letting me be your pastor. God bless you. I love you. See you Wednesday in the house of God. God bless you. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.